0: You're listening to the DC Real Estate Podcast, the podcast where we focus exclusively on all things local to the DMV area. Local investors, local knowledge, local experts. Our journey starts now.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of the DC Real Estate Podcast. My name is Russell Brazil. I am an associate broker with Arla at Properties.
0: And I am Sarah Frank. I am an agent in DC and Maryland, and I am also on the District Invest Group with Russell.
1: Yep. We had an awesome guest plan fee this week. However, their um, child got sick in the last minute. So this week, it's just me and Sarah.
0: Yeah. And we're already rescheduled. So it will happen. I think we're doing like a couple episodes that week. So that'll be good. Yeah, so. we get a
1: couple episodes coming that yeah, week. So we'll crazy. still release them weekly, but uh, we'll be recording back to back to back.
0: Yeah, and it's a crazy time of year anyway. I feel like you, there's either an event or you have to you can't have it the day after an event because everyone's hungover.
1: Yeah, tell me about events. So I've got <laughs> I've got ten lined up for this month, which I think is pretty crazy.
0: You're so popular. Yeah. <laughs> so exciting for you.
1: How many do you have?
0: Um, I mean, I feel like I have there's a lot I think I'll probably go to six or seven total
1: that's still a lot because
0: that's just a lot for me um my amazing sister is sober um for six years now and she's able to go to like every event because she doesn't have to schedule the next couple business days afterwards for recovery and I'm thinking maybe that should be the model that I go for this year but then as soon as I get to the event I'm like wow this is I'm sober.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So it's funny you said that, right? Because we we normally do our in-office work days on Tuesdays. And next Mm -hmm. week, we have our office Christmas party on Monday night.
0: Right. So we cancel
1: our Tuesday work day because we anticipate being hungover.
0: Yeah. So maybe we'll surprise ourselves and we won't be hungover. We're still not going to go in, but maybe. I know the first Arla event I went to, I was very hungover the next day. It's because the wine was free. I tell this to everyone. The wine was free, but the mixed drinks cost money, so naturally you're gonna get the wine, right? If you're if you're damaged in the head like me, I guess. So I was paying for that.
1: And uh, real estate agents are they're drinkers.
0: They are, and on weekdays because that's usually when we have the events are on weekdays because the weekends were working. Yeah. So it's yeah. funny because
1: um there was just this big scandal with the Montgomery County Planning Board, um, where the whole planning board hit. Ended up resigning because the head of the planning board had a um, little bar in his office and they were drinking there at the end of the day. And, you know, we were joking about it over at g because we, you know, do a lot of work with them. And we're like, well, he, here at G-Car and at the realtor's office, we require that there be a bar in the office. No one's getting fired for it. They're, it's encouraged.
0: That's crazy. Yeah, that's funny. My dad works in a lab and he... Finally, after like 10 years of working there, how many years, Emma, do you think? Like 10 of working there, he implemented like a happy hour, and it was scandalous. Now everyone loves it. And it's literally just nerds having a beer in the lab on Friday afternoons. (laughs) But but he was like the talk of the town for implementing this. It was great. Yeah, okay, so he's worked there since 1992, and he did this like... (laughs) I was in high school when he implemented this, but they call it like Jerry hour now. He's he's famous, but (laughs) real (laughs) estate, that's like constant. (laughs) So
1: some of the events I've got this week, so I've got the G-Car Holiday Party and Board installation tomorrow night, and you're going to that as well. So by the time you guys listen to this, um, it'll actually be the day after the installation. Um, and we're installing Avi Adler, and is our new G Car president, which I'm really excited about.
0: Yes, and the outgoing president Harrison Beecher, who we're supposed to have on the podcast today, is baby sick, like you said, but we're going to talk to him in a few weeks. So. Yeah. That'll be good. So that'll be cool. And I remember there was like a, a video saying that I guess Jan, his predecessor, didn't get a party at all because it was COVID. Yeah. And so then, we had
1: two presidents that unfortunately, Danae, I think Danae didn't get one. Maybe Danae did. I can't remember. And then Jan definitely didn't get one because of COVID.
0: Yeah. And then Harris, I wasn't around, but Harrison's was a blowout, I heard.
1: Yeah. So we were, um, we were drinking that night till two in the morning. So it's crazy for uh, you old people. Yeah. Harrison's <laughs> a little younger than me, but yeah. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. But cool. That'll be exciting. And then this is just an exciting time of year. Not necessarily from the sales side. I feel like it's really slow. We can talk about that if you want to. Um, not necessarily slow. It's actually a great time to be buying right now from what I've observed because there's very minimal competition. People are really locked in for the holiday season And the sellers are still out there. Sellers wanting to to sell their property. So they're willing to make concessions and work with the buyers a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I've definitely been getting a lot of good deals on the buy side here in November and December. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously, even my really motivated buyers, they don't want to put pen to paper during December. And it's funny because come February, they'll be back in situations where they're going to be in multiple offer situations. Um, But some people that I've, I've got getting good deals we get a good deal in alexandria um i think we're about 50 grand off the list price there
0: um on the buy side on the buy side do you think it was overpriced or
1: i mean it was definitely overpriced but if they had listed it in say the spring um they might have gotten it gotten it right because even if it was overpriced when the market's hot you you can push the limits but um but we're getting a good deal on it we're getting like almost 50 grand off uh, so we're c- excited about that, and then I just got a closed one on Friday where I think we got this is a pretty cheap property, it was under three hundred, and I think we got twenty grand off the list price. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, there's deals out this there this time of year, um, but they're going to be drying up in about four weeks.
0: Right, right. What what do you think the new year is going to look like? Q one.
1: So we sort of this normal natural cycle that happens um, throughout the year and during COVID, this didn't happen. So sort of the normal cycle is uh, the winter is for the market is cold, just like the weather. And once February 15th comes around is when the market starts heating up. So what we find is, is a lot of pent up buyer demand in um, We used to have a strategy, my old brokerage, February 15th to March 1st is when we would throw our crappy inventory on the market because it was still pent up buyer demand from Mm -hmm. the winter without any houses on the market. Um, So the crappy ones we put on February 15th, we'd be able to front run when most of the inventory comes on the market, get those crappy ones sold. And then once March 1st came is when all the good inventory would start hitting the market. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think we're back to sort of our normal cycle and I expect, I expect to see a bunch of crappy listings hitting the market around February 15th. I think they're going to get gobbled up and I think then March 1st, the market's really going to start heating up, especially since, uh, interest rates are starting to come back. You know, they're not where they were a year ago, mm-hmm. um, but they're significantly less than they were a month or two ago.
0: Right. I mean, I don't think they'll ever be where they were a year ago. I'd be very surprised if they dip below. Three and a half percent. Yeah, I think that
1: I think those sub three percent rates that we saw is probably a once in a lifetime opportunity. And right. if you missed it, you missed it. Um, they were, I don't kept, think they were being kept,
0: kept low. The government was doing a good job of keeping that low. And we're yeah. obviously seeing repercussions from that. Not to say that we don't aren't in need of an economic reset, but. Three and two and a half, three percent is just not feasible.
1: No, no. So I think, um, but rates have now gone from seven and a half and eight percent on investment properties. They're down into the low sixes now, um, just in a matter of a month or two. So, you know, once, and I, I think we're going to see under six percent interest rates in 2023. And though many people may not realize this the last five years. Having interest rates in the five percent range is normal. Um, in fact, yeah. I remember when I bought my first house. And you sound like uh, grandpa here, but uh, uh, when interest rates first hit six percent, I was like, "Wow, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity." Then they went down to five percent. I was like, "Oh my god, I gotta buy as many properties as I can because they'll never be rates will never be lower than this." Um, yeah. But now we're we're gonna be getting back into normal interest rate territory after this. You know sort of big bump cool the market
0: you think if it dips a little bit lower you'll refi out of your arm on your primary
1: <laughs> yeah um probably not because my arm will still be it's going to reset it's going to go up two percent from where it is mm-hmm. but that two percent still going to be lower um than what the interest rate is you know right. in the near future so i'm my The interest rate on my personal residence is going to go from about 3.6 up to about 5.6.
0: That's still just not bad.
1: It's not bad, but it's going to cause a big jump in my payment. So what we are going to do, we're going to do something actually called a mortgage recast. Um, So we're going to throw a lump sum of money at our mortgage and do a recast. And what that means is the lender is going to charge us a fee, about $500, and they will re-amortize the loan to bring the payment down. So by throwing a hundred, we're going to put a hundred thousand dollars towards our mortgage, and that's going to bring the payment down uh, about five hundred dollars a month, and it was going to jump three or four, off, between three hundred and five hundred up. So now my mortgage is going to stay relatively the same, um, and the money I'm using for that is from the proceeds of a rental property that I had just sold this past year. So
0: okay, so that's why you were. I was going to say, if that wasn't the case, what led you to make the decision to do that? Because I don't hear of that very often.
1: The Vers- mortgage recap versus
0: doing a refinance. Or something. Yeah, because the
1: refinance is um, so in a falling interest rate environment, right? If if you have a five percent rate and rates go down to four percent, well, then it's a no brainer to do a to do a refinance, mm-hmm. right? Get a new, lo- entirely new loan with a lower interest rate. But when rates are going up um then i don't necessarily want to refinance but i want a lower payment so how do i get the lower payment if if my interest rate's 5 and rates are at 6% i don't want to refinance into a higher interest rate so what i'm going to do is take that lump sum of money do the recast bring the payment down now you have to have the money to do it obviously
0: right well you're just shaking up your ltv right basically post like post
1: loan. Yeah, I mean you're minimi- you're bringing that LTV way down cuz you're right. reducing the principal drastically, right? right? And so by reducing that principal drastically, that means the borrowed money is creating less interest owed and therefore bringing your payment down.
0: So, some people might myself first thing I think is $100,000. That's a nice down payment on an investment property that could potentially cash flow you more than $500 a month. What is your motivation for doing A instead of B?
1: Yeah, so it's all about how I treat my life. So I treat my life in two ways. A. I have how I treat my personal finances and how I treat my business finances. And those things for me actually do not necessarily go lock in lockstep. Mm-hmm. So here's a great example on investment properties that I own. I always want to have the longest loan that I can possibly have. And I'm going to keep that debt locked in as long as I can. Um, and I never pay off my investment loans early. But on my personal residence, um, I actually do what's called bi-weekly payments. So I pay my mortgage every two weeks instead of once a month. And what happens is with that, because there's 26 uh, two-week periods in the year, I end up with 13 full mortgage payments. So I'm trying to actively pay my personal residence down quicker. Um, the mortgage recast will sort of lends to that thing too. So. I think I should be able to pay off my mortgage because I'm doing this, and I'm going to try to start aggressively paying it off more. Hopefully, within the next five years or so, I'll pay off my my primary, which your, I would never do for an investment property.
0: But what's your motivation for doing it for your primary?
1: My motivation is just to reduce my monthly out-of-pocket expenses. Okay, um, makes sense. Now, the math, all, the math is almost always going to work out the best where you're taking on more debt and... Buying another investment property, getting more debt, getting the cash flow from that. And that's what I do with business. But I, I just don't treat my personal finances the same way. Interesting. Um, I want as much business debt as I can have, as much mortgage as I can have. Um, I have an SBA loan. <laughs> but on the personal side, I try not to carry debt. I try not, I do have a car loan, but I pay off my credit cards. I try to keep those pretty minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, So I treat personal debt very different than I treat business debt.
0: Right, okay. It's interesting. Student
1: student loans, too. So I paid off my student loans before I was 30 years old. A lot of my friends are still my age in their early 40s and still have their student loan debt. Mm -hmm. Um, And while, yes, I understand that the math works out when you're paying low interest rates on the debt, um, I've just found it better to eliminate the debt and create less out-of-pocket, you know, expenses on my monthly lifestyle.
0: Right. That makes sense. I guess okay. I can't separate in my head my... Because <laughs> for me, growing my own personal business is very much in, intertwined with investments and cash-flowing assets. And
1: you're and also like at that. a different point in your life, right? Sure so, I sure am.
0: I sure am. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, my... my Student loan debt, I'm very lucky I don't have much of it, is financed at a low rate. So I'm not inclined to pay that off before maybe a car loan, obviously. Credit cards, I like to keep minimal, like you said. Um, but to me, I think $100,000, I'm not, first of all, that would pay off like half my house in Baltimore, you know? Yeah. So it's just like an economy of scale there. But also, I think, oh, well, the market's dipping the stock market. Maybe I could invest in stocks while you buy on the way down or something like that.
1: Um, and I've continued to invest in stocks. I still put okay. my money into it into my self-employed IRA. Right. I'm still buying stocks while the market's down. I just happen to have this money from the proceeds of a rental property that that's there. And so I'm able to essentially just put that towards that mortgage, eliminate what was going to be, because my adjustable rate's gonna adjust upward, uh, eliminate that extra mm-hmm. payment. And many people would ask why in the world would I um, have an adjustable rate? And the, really the reason is when I bought this house, um, It was going to save me having this adjustable rate, I don't know, three or four hundred dollars a month at the time, which when I bought it five years ago, you know, I don't want to say it was like a huge amount of money, but it was a decent amount enough money to save where the finances were tight enough that I thought, you know, I could just I knew five years in the future I'd be in a better financial position to absorb the reset um, than paying that three or four hundred dollars a month the last five years.
0: Right. But well, what, what prevented you from doing a refi the past three years when the rates were super low?
1: I mean, nothing, uh, nothing prevented me. And mm-hmm. certainly many times I thought about it. Right. Um, and obviously I just missed the boat and I refinanced a bunch of my rental properties. Yeah. Um, I just didn't, you know, a year ago, not, not that I ever think that rates would rise this fast, but nor did I think that they would rise fast enough where I would hit the maximum reset on your this yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was like worst case scenario maybe it would go from a three six to a four six the maximum mine can go up is two percent mm-hmm. um i just did not see a situation where it rising two percent was uh realistic um right. but guess what i was wrong
0: it happens yeah despite your best efforts but yeah that's interesting i'd never heard of a, a recast before
1: yeah, very, very few people do. Your loan officer, and I'm not saying anything bad about your loan officers, but loan officers don't want to tell you about a recast right. because they don't make any money on a recast, right? right? Uh, the bank is making a minimal amount of money, a $500 fee. Uh, loan officers make zero on them. They don't handle them at all. Um,
0: is that so, only allowed for arms?
1: Nope. So you can do a recast on any Fannie or Freddie-owned products. Oh, yeah. okay. So pretty much any conventional loan you can do a recast on. I'm unclear if you can do a recast on a VA or FHA. Um, I'd have to look into it, but I know any Fannie and Freddie product you can do it on. Okay.
0: Interesting.
1: So that's our tip of the week. You want to bring down your mortgage payment. We're in a rising interest rate environment. Uh, do a mortgage recast. Yeah. Um, now, that's money you won't be able to use for something else. But if you combine the mortgage recast with uh, if you have a HELOC on your house, um, then you can access that that equity, too, if you need to access it for another reason. So I have, a, I have a home equity line of credit through Tower Federal Credit Union. Uh, the reason I use Tower is because Tower lends up to 100% LTV um, on your HELOC. So what that means is if I have a $500,000 primary residence and my mortgage balance is $400,000, Tower will lend me the, the up to 100% LTV, which means I can borrow 100000 up to the $500,000 value of the property. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's incredibly risky loan. I don't understand why they do that, but they do. Um, and I think, don't quote me on the interest rate, but I think it's prime plus 1% is the HELOC's rate. Um, I never used my HELOC, but, um, by throwing this there, this $100,000 at my mortgage, I'll also be able to access that hundred thousand through my HELOC if I so needed to.
0: Okay. So that, it doesn't eliminate sense. the
1: possibility of Using the right, the funds. right. If the right investment property comes along, um, I just pull out of the HELOC and buy it with that. Which, okay. so it's, at least I'm eliminating some interest now instead of letting it sit cash in the bank.
0: Right, and so I think that's like the summary here is if you're gonna use these big outlays of cash to lower your monthly payment, make sure you're able to access that cash in some way later down the road.
1: Yeah, because it's always good to have liquidity. And luckily, right, I'm a I'm a little bit older than you, so I'm at the point I have. I also have a large emergency savings. I have my stock portfolio. I have a retirement account. So I, I, yeah. I do have access to capital.
0: I like to live on the edge.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> a little bit of fear.
1: Well, I think a I, had a, I had a negative net worth until I was uh, right about 30 years old, I think. Okay, well,
0: I'm going to try to beat you on that.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and people forgot about that, but it's normal. As long as you're doing the right things, like if you're 24, 20, how old was I bought my house? 23. It would be very freaky if I took out a $300,000 loan and still had like a positive net income or uh, uh, net worth because you take out this huge loan. And that was before I added any forced equity to it. I've gotten that back, recovered most of it through the forced equity. But Baltimore is one of those markets that gets hit faster than D.C. or whatever when the market turns down. It's not underwater or anything, but it's not this huge play that you can maybe pull off in 2019, 2020 in D.C., um, and then you have like student loans and things like that. So until those are paid off, and that's why it's equally important to pay off the, the, the consumer debts that you have to help your net worth as it is to invest in properties. I think a lot of my friends who are investors, they have all those loans. They have the car loan, the um, you know, the, they get the short term credit cards with the minute, the um, no payments for 15 months and all that stuff. They have a bunch of those that they use to pay for investment properties. So their debt to income is massive. Um, and then, like wait why is my net worth not growing as fast as i want it to be
1: yeah so. and yours is going to grow a lot faster than mine so i think i was right around 30 by the when i bought my first property right so i was i don't know 20 29 when i finally saved up some money eliminated right. my debts um you're going to have a net worth probably in excess of a hundred 150 thousand by the time you're that age
0: I hope more than that Jeez. So i don't know a limiting belief from Russell, an external limiting belief. I won't hear it. I'll be rich. Hopefully.
1: You'll be retired by 30.
0: (laughs) 15-year-old buys 100 unit with $0 from his own piggy bank. That's going to be me.
1: Yeah, I mean, as we've learned from some news stories, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true.
0: A quick word of warning about people who are self-professed gurus, really do your research, especially in real estate, because real estate is so, and I speak from someone who's like relatively new in the investing world, a couple years I've been following this stuff, it's so easy to be overwhelmed by the amount of information that I totally understand wanting to anchor yourself with someone who It looks and appears like they're doing it right and that they know something you don't know. And you can only get that information by paying for their $10,000 course. I understand completely wanting to learn from people who are doing it. However, something seems too good to be true. It's probably too good to be true. And don't get swindled out of a bunch of money by people, especially the people, it sounds bad too, that are super young because they're just business people. They're selling you a, a product, a course, not really... The information. And most of these
1: guru courses, they're they're essentially selling one of two things. They're either selling one, stuff that's pretty common basic knowledge, which is not mm-hmm. hard to come by. Maybe they're putting it in a prettier format, and maybe they're equalizing it and say, here's step one, here's step two, here's step three. But none of it is rocket science, what mm-hmm. they're putting in there. right? Um, or the other types of gurus are putting in stuff uh, in there that is pushing the edge, maybe there's a lot of gray area there and that gray area is going to push you over the edge to maybe do things that are not not legal, right? Um, right,
0: and a lot of them, ones that are cost tens of thousands of dollars. I know people who have bought them and their rationale for buying them is, well, I put all this money down and the thought of wasting the money is what's gonna motivate me to put the work in, start making offers and build my business. Um, well, just give, write your friend a $40,000 check and say, if I don't do this by the state, cash the check. <laughs> (laughs) Like that's the doing the same thing. You can write that
1: check to us. We'll take it.
0: We will will gladly hold a $40,000 check in escrow for you. And and we won't sabotage you at all to fail. (laughs) You know, it just seems crazy to pay that much money um, for something that. And these people usually have very robust online presences as well, where they're giving out the same information that they're charging for. Um, Or they've had mentors. You know, I've seen some programs that it's this person is providing the program, but they cite frequently their mentor was this person who has published all of their work for free. So, you know, it's just, (laughs) yeah, it was funny. I
1: had this conversation, I think last year, um, an agent at our brokerage, um, asked me, Hey, I know you're friends with this person who's well-known in real estate. They run a mastermind. Do you think I would benefit from joining this mastermind? It was fairly expensive. I don't know, five or $10,000. And I said, you are just as smart as that person. They are not going to tell you. I, I know them. I know you. You're just as smart as them. Right. You know all the things you should be doing. You're just not doing them. You're just them. not doing them. Um, right. Don't give this person over here all this money. I think you're going to be disappointed. And six six months later, I had a con- another conversation with them. And they are like, I should have just listened to you. Um they did not teach me anything I did not already know. Good, And this was a pretty successful person right. drawn to this. Um, well,
0: because they packages it as like, a solution to your problems. Yeah. However, my counterpoint to you on them not being as being just as smart or not as smart is that they're obviously smarter than us because they're making tens of thousands yeah. of dollars on a program peddling bullshit to people. And we're not making $10,000 a person. So they might be smarter.
1: Yeah. So in a year when we release our course, uh, this <laughs> podcast will probably get taken down. Yeah. Um, we'll
0: see y'all in, in lockup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, a couple hundred dollars makes sense. You're paying for At that point, because people... Because
1: that's a pretty insignificant amount of money. And pe- well, <laughs> From economies of scale, yeah. yeah.
0: And those people are really are putting a lot of hours into the development of these projects. Like, they, they look pretty, and they present well, and the interface is tested, and it's nice. So I understand completely. Even a couple thousand, if it's like they're... If they're, it's a
1: pretty complex subject, like apartment building syndications, syndications maybe that's not the SEC
0: regulations, yeah. or they're doing like sit down meetings with you, they're offering you face to face time. Yeah. That's the big red flag but is ones that-
1: A couple do thousand like, dollars, not a couple $10,000.
0: Yeah, that's just crazy.
1: Because <laughs> your money is better spent getting invested.
0: Just buy a property yeah. with that. instead yeah. of Instead
1: of buying their course- Invest in their syndication. <laughs> At least let that money grow.
0: Right. Invest passively, be a be a you know, go find someone who's doing it um and who does collect. I don't say collect. They're offering you a product, right? They're they're allowing you to invest in their business. Um, that's a better option. And then especially ones that offer really good interaction with their investors because you're able to see exactly where the money's going. Um, people who are really big on social media doing that. You're literally able to see through their stories how the project you're funding is going every single day, and you're going to learn way more from that than these classes.
1: I yeah, because these classes, and, and you know, there's a there's a famous class out there by an apartment building syndicator, and it's funny because the class is built around a um, their first apartment building syndication that it was here in my in our market in the DC mm-hmm. area. And it's actually an apartment building I looked at and considered buying and I was like, No, that's just a crappy building. I'm not gonna buy it. And this guy built this whole course around this property. And granted, the course isn't necessarily about buying the great asset. The course is about raising money and doing the SEC stuff. So there is value to the course, but right. it was about it was from buying actually a pretty crappy asset that I I did not personally want to buy because I thought it was a crappy building.
0: Well, He's made a lot of money from... <laughs> he,
1: he has made more money from selling that course than, uh, right. than I've probably made investing in real estate.
0: <laughs> What's that Gandhi quote? They're getting mad. I'm getting rich. Yeah.
1: There, and there's a there's another quote that's often uh, said about gurus. Those who can't teach. Um, so I think that's really important that not all these gurus are actually doing what they are teaching you to. They can't do it. So they teach it and sell a course on it. Yeah. There's a, few, there's a few of those guys. If out they're there.
0: if they're teaching their own courses to begin with, they might I feel like a lot of them is just like um, when you have a substitute teacher and they wheel the T V in and press play, you know, for the class. Like that's what these courses are because it's just these automated videos and PowerPoints they're making. But I think the ones that are truly interactive could be worth the money. Like you have meetups or you have like a peer group you're supposed to meet with like an accountability partner.
1: I do think there are some things that are Worthwhile. I think those are the ones that give you hands-on experience,
0: right? Um, right.
1: Like if you are actually going out to an apartment building and looking at what the value add opportunities are, and you're being walked through it
0: mm-hmm. by
1: this really expert, um, or like
0: literally walked through it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> or um,
1: like our friend Joe Asamoah does these rehab seminars where uh, they wait till they get the place, and he will bring you through the property. He's like, "All right." This is why we're running the plumbing lines to here because the, the plumbing line is sh- a shorter run from over there. And this right in these talking – bring into the basement. This is where we're going to put bedroom number four and bedroom number five. And this is why we're putting it here so you can visually see it and be walked through it. Right. There, there is value to that.
0: Yeah. And I think it's easy for us to say as people who understand, I'd say, a fair amount about – real estate and investing its through largely through self-education and just being around people all the time but as a newbie i totally understand wanting to have your hand held a little bit or a lot of it but if you're paying that much money you better get a pdf that's like this is the lender you use you, you call him on a tuesday at dusk like sure. you need a granularity to understand everything that's what you're paying for so that's why J- dr joe's i think is so great it's very hyper local
1: hey so i have we're just a little technical difficulty, but like we were saying with Dr. Joe's, Dr. Joe brings you to the property, walks you through. It is very hands-on experience. Nice. And Joe is also connecting you with uh, specific lenders. Mm-hmm. He's giving you the opportunity to actually invest in the product if you want, right? So right. the hands-on aspect is mo- more important than just watching a video. If you're just gonna watch a video and read a PDF, go watch YouTube, right? Like there almost anything in these videos is for free on YouTube someplace.
0: Someplace. Yeah. I mean, like we said, hyperlocal, there might be things you miss, but if you're paying 40 grand, you should be able to like show up at their house crying on 9 PM on a Friday. You know, I think maybe we should do a segment where we just test out different programs (laughs) and do reviews. (laughs) We'd
1: have to get a, we'd have to get some sponsors so we could afford these $40,000 courses.
0: Yeah. So if you're a sponsor or you want to give us your course for free for us to review it, happy to do that too.
1: (laughs) And, obviously if you if you go to one of these real estate seminars here here's a very clear indication that it is a fraud that you should not be investing in so because there is right there's seminars on apartment buildings there's the seminars on flipping mm-hmm. um all run by some companies based out of utah and one of the first things they do is they get you in the door for something for free and then they say come back the next day for the thousand dollar course you go back you pay the thousand dollar course and then they're like Day three or four, we're going to do this other course, but it's twenty thousand. Oh, you don't have twenty thousand? We'll teach you how to get the twenty thousand. We're going to call up your credit card company, ask them to increase your uh, credit limit. Oh. this is a very, very, very common scheme that some very, very well-known, famous people in the country use. Um, anyone ever ask you to call and get your credit limit increased so you can give them money? Um, no, right off the bat, that's a that that's a, it's a legal scheme but it's a scheme it's a fraud Um, also
0: never um i would recommend just never paying for something like that even the cheaper ones with a credit card if you can't afford it out of
1: if you can't afford it out of pocket don't 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 buy it
0: you're making a bet on you're you're writing a check that you can't cash at the end of the day literally so um yeah so i i feel like this was an important little discussion to have i feel like we've been seeing news articles a lot of them about very prominent people in this space getting you know, taken downtown. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, just like the other day, you sent it to me. But like, by the end of the day, five or six people had texted me uh, an article about an investor mm-hmm. got I don't know, indicted for fraud. I
0: don't know the exact details, but that was more of like the large scale ones. But the smaller yeah. ones can be just as scammy. Um, no,
1: there was just this uh, real estate agent arrested in southern Pennsylvania, um, where they were committing um, occupancy fraud on. Uh, properties through two different ways. So they were using owner-occupied loans to buy properties they were flipping. Mm. And in addition to that, they were also bidding on homes on the HUD Home Store, which usually has a first look period for owner-occupants of 21 or 30 days, depends on the property, before an investor can bid. And he was bidding saying he was going to live there. He was buying the properties and flipping Flipping them. them. Um, And so he he got arrested because he was uh, doing this time and time again. And he was... He's a well-known real estate agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, I think he was a, <clears throat> I think he was an officer in his local realtor association. Um, so, Department of Justice, um, they are paying more attention to real estate fraud. Um, it seems like over the last year, as they should. Yeah,
0: as they should. So, yeah, I think that wraps up this one. Yeah. Did you want anything else you want to talk about on this subject?
1: No, I think we're good. And obviously, we're going to hit a bunch of parties between now <laughs> and next week. Um, so I got Car tomorrow. I've got the the Real Estate Alliance, which is a great organization. I got their event the day after. Um, week after that, I got the DC, DC Association of Realtors. So we get a, a lot of real estate events coming up.
0: That's us. We're big party girls.
1: yeah Anyways, <laughs> we'll see you guys next week and thanks for listening.
0: All right. See you guys.
1: All right. Hit stop all we're in.
0: Thanks for listening to the DC Real Estate Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to contact the hosts, reach out to them at info at dcrealestatepodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you access your
1: podcasts.